At Pan's Panda Stories, we interview families and experts who've either lived with or helped treat this awful illness. For those of you who don't know, Pan's Pandas is a life-changing but treatable condition caused by common infections like strep, viruses like COVID, or even mold. These can trigger a misdirected immune response and often brain inflammation. Symptoms include OCD, eating restrictions, anxiety, tics, low mood, self-harm, and even neuropsychosis. Please be aware that these symptoms may be discussed in this episode. Presented by Lucy McDonald. Thank God that we've found someone that believes me. I've nearly lost my life to pandas a few times. It's okay to be like sad about it. It's okay to be like, this isn't fair. This week, I got to speak to Jessica, a 14-year-old with pandas. To call her a live wire is an understatement, and I've thought about her so often since our interview. She's that kind of person, and her seizures, verbal tics and anxiety haven't dampened down her larger-than-life character one bit. She became ill after a bad chest infection when she was 12 and was treated with steroids, but soon after started shrugging her shoulders and wringing her hands. Doctors wrote it off as anxiety. She now knows it's pandas. Here she talks about how illness has made her grow up very fast and how she couldn't live without her family or her second family, a group of friends who support her through thick and thin. Joining me today, I have a very special guest, Jessica, Jess, JJ. Oh. Thank you for coming in. I've been so looking forward to meeting you. Talk me through what's happened to you over the last couple of years. Well, when in October 2020, I got a chest infection when I was 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like a normal chest infection. It was, it was nasty. I got steroids for it. And like, it wasn't the best, but it was, I got over it. Um, and I went back to school because I'd just started year seven when it happened. Um, it's and a then, big time of life anyway. Yeah, 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 it was a big time of my life. I was like, yes, get in, new school year, like new, well, new school, new friends. Because I left my school with like, I didn't go to school with any of my friends. Mm-hmm. So I was getting a whole new friend group, like a whole new everything. Um, and then I was fine for the first couple of months after my chest infection. And then I think it was about March, March 2021, when I was just chilling in my science class. I'm not a massive fan of science, to be honest. So I wasn't really paying that much attention. And then my shoulders just suddenly, like, I don't even know how to explain what they did. They, like, shrugged themselves, kind of, but in a fast movement. And I was like, that's not normal. And my friend was like, are you okay? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> that is not normal. Um, I love how I'm doing all the hand action in school with this, by the way. <laughs> You're getting a whole little... <laughs> whole little drama play. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and I didn't think much of it. And I went home and I told my mum. And my mum was like, oh, that's weird. It was probably just a shiver. Like, you know mm. how, like, you get them really good ones up your spine and they go, ooh. Yeah. So she was like, it's probably just a shiver. You don't need to think much about it. And then a couple of days later, my hands started, like, jittering. And it was like, hmm. And there was no thought proceeding with it. It was completely an involuntary, unconscious movement. No. I had, to be honest, I'd heard of Tourette's. I'd seen, I'd seen some people on the famous TikTok. Um seen some people but I didn't know anything about it really like I knew it existed but 
I also wasn't really very interested, to be honest. Mm. I was like 12 and like was like, oh, that doesn't affect me. So what were you like at 12 before all this happened? I was very smiley and very loud. And very like, I wanted to be friends with everyone. I was like, so. But now I'm like such an insider, but like back then I was like, no, I want to be friends with everybody. Mm. I was very, very loud. I'm still loud now, but like... I feel like if I met 12-year-old May now, I'd find her really annoying. Really? Yeah. Because you, you've grown up so much over the last two yeah. years. Well, that's what illness does to you. It does make you go up very fast. Mm-hmm. So let's go back. So you had the, sh- the shoulder shrugging. Yeah. And the hand kind of ringing. Yeah. And then what happened? And you were still kind of like, oh, this is peculiar, but didn't yeah. feel... Yeah, well, I didn't think a lot about it. And I ended up going out with some of my friends who like, I class as my second family. And even they were like you need to go to the doctors about this. Like, this could actually be something, like, wrong with your, your brain or something. Like, we were worried about nerve damage. They were, like, we were thinking, like, what the hell could this be? And, um... How great to have friends like that. Yeah, I know. Everyone everyone was just so worried. And then I went to the doctors, and this this doctor, he was actually really nice. I still see him now. And he gave me, like, a whole entire check over. And it turns out what I remember is he touched the back of my head, like, like my lower brain, and he, and I went out and he said, "Oh, does that hurt?" And I was like, "Yeah." He was like, "It feels a little bit inflamed." So the nape of your neck here. Yeah, like the the very like top of my neck just before your skull. He was like, "That feels inflamed." God, how extraordinary for the doctor to feel that through mm-hmm. your skull, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he was like, mm. "He didn't say anything because he didn't want to worry me," but he was like. I'm going to send you to the hospital. I suggest you pack a bag in case they keep you in. And I was like, right. Because doctors don't normally say things doctors like that. Doctors do not, GPs do not normally send you to the hospital with a bag packed. So at this point, I was a bit like, mm, a little bit worried about this. And we went to the hospital, and by the time we'd got to the hospital, like, what I now know were ticks were starting to really go off. Like and my was... arms were flying about, like, they were asking me questions and I was like, like, my arms were flying about. And do you think that was, can you, did you know what caused that or do you think it was the anxiety of hospital? I think it could have been the anxiety that made it worse. Because obviously I'm not a big hospital person. I feel like people are either like not dentist people or not hospital people. <laughs> I'm not a hospital person. Oh no. <laughs> so like... You were scared. A little I was, bit scared. I was a little bit scared. And I was 12 and I was like, oh, like, I don't want to be here. Um, now, when I go to hospital, I'm not bothered at all. I'm like, this is like my second home at this point. Oh, um, that's difficult to hear because yeah. it kind of makes you realise, I suppose, how much you've changed in two years. Yeah, true. But yeah. So the doctor said you had an inflamed brain he said he said a part of my neck was inflamed but then after that he never said nobody ever said anything like that for months again and what happened in the in the hospital after that uh they basically just did loads of tests on me and were like well we can't see any problems we think they're just anxiety ticks mm. and i the, the word ticks made me go oh actually i do know what they are not massively but I'd, i've heard of them before um and well then from there it just went Crazy. So you had your bag, your bag packed, but you didn't stay. You did, did you stay yeah, overnight? They kept, you, me in. they kept you in. Okay, kept so it was in. serious enough for them to keep you in. But then they kind of said it's anxiety. It's anxiety. And you knew that and it I wasn't. And I was like, 
I don't think it's anxiety takes in as though I was literally just chilling. I wasn't mm. doing anything. I wasn't under any stress. It wasn't as if I was being asked a question and then I had a movement. I literally was just sat writing away in my little science lesson mm. on those stupid stools. <laughs> and then it happened. And I was literally with like one of my really close friends as well. Like it wasn't as if I was sat next to someone I didn't like or anything. Like it was a normal day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not right. And even mum was like, that's not right. But we just thought, you know what? We're not going to push it. Just see how it goes. If it's anxiety, take it, we'll hopefully just go away. Mm-hmm. That's what we were told. And then what happened? And then That's I went back to sigh. school. Yeah. And then when I, when I went back to school, it got really, really bad. I started with my first kind of hint toward a verbal tick was a blowing tick. So I'd go, mm-hmm. and I'd like blow at people. Mm-hmm. And then that turned into a whistle, mm-hmm. like the opposite, I guess. And then that whistle turned into like little hummings and then little, and then it just slowly became more like, mouth sounds and then obviously i had all my arm ones and then i started flipping people off that one was um great discovery that i had that one mm. um how did you discover that i just looked at someone and flipped them off and, and who was it was it it was just some lad in my class mm. i didn't like so it was completely like, random i didn't feel bad i should have felt bad but i didn't mm. don't, don't tell anybody, <laughs> um well and then my first verbal take, I remember this story so well, is I was in art and I love art. Like I'm an art person. I'm not very good at it, but I love it. And I was sat next to this lad and I picked up this piece of paper and I just looked at it and went, skinny, I can't swear on here. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> skinny something. Yes. I'm All right. We'll use our what. imagination. Well, use, you can use your imagination. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that popped into my brain before I said it. And... He looked at me and was like, what did you just say? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what just happened. And then the rest of the art lesson, I was like totally not out of it. I was like, what is going on? And I kept saying random things. And I ended up going to my pastoral care manager, which in our school is like the woman that just looks after everyone. And I went to her and I was like, I don't know what's happening. I was like, it's not good. Like, it's gotten worse. And she was like, I'll ring your mom. And she rang my mum. She told her, she was like, Helen, are you sitting down? She was like, yeah. She was like, she started with the verbal text and she's been swearing. Mm. And my mum just burst into tears. Oh, goodness. And from then, it just went crazy. I mean, after that, I had every tick under the sun. Like, anything you could imagine as a tick, I had that. Mm. And then that so went on. T- for talk, about... talk me through what the ticks were like, because people listening might not understand how severe and debilitating t- t- ticks can be i had a lot of punching ticks i right. had a lot of punching other people ticks i had ticks that would drop me to the ground in a squat and make me do a burpee like a sit up and then jump back up um i had ticks that would spin me around um i had ticks that would just scream at people when they walked past mm. um i had everything like it it was really bad how do you feel thinking about that time now i'm glad it's not like that anymore Mm. i mean it can be but it's not normally i mean every waking second i was ticking and screaming and shouting and moving and jumping but now at least now i get some rest from it 
Must have been absolutely exhausting. Oh, it was. I used to... I never. I was never a nap person. I was never a person who, like, napped or anything. But once that started, I started sleeping all the time. Mm. And school became really difficult. Because you've got lots going on. You've got the actual neurological stuff going on. Yeah. It's exhausting. And then also the social stuff, thinking, did I do that? Was that a big part of it? Or were you just... Yeah, I think a lot of people thought I was faking. Mm. I mean, we were all only 12, so I don't take it out on them. I don't think, oh, when we were 12, you said I was faking. I was like, no, we were only like little kids. And now they're great with it. But everyone did think I was faking. And I had this lad actually come up to me one day and I was in my geography lesson and I was just sat writing away, like doing whatever I was supposed to be doing. And he came up. He was a, He's a really small lad. He's really nice, though. And he just went to me, he went, Jessica. And I looked up at him and he went, you can stop faking now. We all know you're faking. I've had a discussion with everyone and they all know you're faking it. And I was like, oh. And I was like, just go away. Mm. Got a lump in my throat hearing that because yeah. knowing what you must have gone through. I was like, just go away. That's that feels quite a moderate response. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't exactly what I said, but it'll do. Yeah. Um. And then everyone just kept staring at me for the rest of that lesson because they all knew what he'd said to me. Yeah. And they all believed him, and they all were like, the only people that didn't believe it were the people that actually knew me who were actually, like, my close friends, they were obviously like, no, like, she's not doing this on purpose. So you had some support? I had some support with a couple of friends, but then it was it was definitely difficult. Luckily, all the teachers believed me. I didn't have any problems with teachers believing me. And I guess the awful thing about this illness is that, you know, not only is it your peers that don't believe you, sometimes it's doctors that don't doctors believe that you. Doctors that don't believe you. So it just adds to the sense of loneliness. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very lonely condition, mm. especially because it's how it makes you feel is so unique. To be honest, that's too nice of a word for it, but I don't know what else mm. to call it. It's just so different to any other condition that finding someone that feels the same mm. is hard. Mm. It's very hard. But they did end up believing me, so yeah. that is a positive. But it did take the seizures to start and for me to be in a wheelchair for them to believe me. Oh, wow, Jess. So, so you got up to telling me about the burpees and mm -hmm. the spinning around and then that progressed to... It didn't even progress. It literally just straight into it. There was wow. no progression. It just started one night and it was so severe. Like it didn't start with a couple seizures. It started with about 400 seizures in one night. Oh, my God. They rang 99. My mum rang 999. They came out, they came with all their stuff. And actually, at first, we had one of those like little cars, like not a proper thing. And he came and he was just sat there. And I was like, kept passing out and like kept seizing and that. And he was like, oh, well, I don't know what you expect me to do. Again, what do you think the assumption was there that? It was anxiety? Or? That I was just faking it. I think is what he thought. And my mum was like, no, I want you to find an ambulance that can take her to hospital. Because mm. obviously those cars can't take you in. Mm. And and my sats were coming back fine. 
So he was like, that doesn't help because they don't believe you. They're like, mm, your body says you're fine. You're fine. But it's like, no, it's not my body, it's my brain. And what what were the because seizures can be lots of different things. What what were yours like? I was lying on the floor, literally shaking, like convulsing on the floor, and because I was just I just stood up to go get a drink, and I just collapsed. So it was just a normal a normal evening. Because mm-hmm. I got up because I didn't feel very well, and I was like, I need to go get a drink, and I just collapsed on the living room floor, and my mum was like, Oh my god! Obviously, first time you'd be so panicked um yeah and it was just it was just crazy and when did that stop or how did that stop and how how long did it go on for they ended up i'm pretty sure they took me to hospital that night and i can't remember if they gave me medication or if i stopped myself because there was a couple times they tried to give me epilepsy medication which hurts mm. when it goes in so obviously they've got to put a cannula in your arm and then they have to like inject it in to the cannula and when it goes through your veins it burns so oh. badly and i was like literally like bawling my eyes out but i was still seasoned but like bawling my eyes out while i was seasoned because it hurts so bad so it's like a body reaction crying mm. and then i couldn't even control it and it felt like there was no respite it was just one after the other yeah. after the other there was no break. That's why they gave me the meds, because they were hoping it would give me a break. But it didn't. It just made me go to sleep, mm. because I'd just basically been drugged. And um, one time they gave me diazepam and lorazepam, I think it is, in the space of about two hours, because I wouldn't stop seizing. And I just ended up being ridiculously high. Mm. I mean, I was seeing like doubles of everything, like ringing people, telling them what I could see. I couldn't remember any of it when I woke up the next day. How frightening. At 13. At 13. Mm. That I was like medically drugged. And it was an accident. They didn't obviously mean to do that. Mm. And I think it did stop my seizures. Mm. But, yeah. And you're, you're sat here with me today in London, looking quite different. To how you've described i know that was yeah. good, a good year ago um yeah two years ago really. two years ago so what's happened in that in that period of time um medication and mm. doctors who believe you mm. because and spreading awareness especially around the people that matter to you like people in school stuff like that like having them be all aware actually helped me be in a better place because it made me feel like I wasn't alone Mm. even though they'll never understand what it's like but they're aware of what happens Mm. and then obviously medication is a massive part of it so let's get so so the 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 worst point was these continual seizures minute after minute Mm -hmm. you had to and they came on with no warning they just came on and then medication stopped them for a period of time and then they'd start again how long would it be no, between medication my meds have never taken away the seizures they've just slowed them down massively yeah so they gave me steroids and antibiotics 
when I eventually found a doctor who believed in pandas, mm-hmm. he said, mm, I know what this is. You need this medication and this medication. And it made a massive difference. So what was that like? First of all, being believed and then suddenly being... Believed almost... was amazing. I literally... I'm pretty sure I had a couple of tears in the car because I was so emotional. I was like, thank God that we found someone that believes me. And then getting the medication was like a wonder because it was like, I can breathe. I'm not going to... I got, I wasn't even allowed to eat when my mum wasn't in the room because she was worried I was going to choke and start seizing. So I'd like, I was under constant supervision. But then, like, because I was medicated, I was allowed to start doing, like, even just the simplest things felt like freedom. I was allowed to go to the toilet by myself and I was like, guess in. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's crazy how much, like, when you are basically, well, I wasn't basically bed bound, I was bed bound. And I still was bed bound with the meds because the meds made me really drowsy. Um, but obviously we had to find the right steroids and the right antibiotics that fitted my body in like my condition because every everybody's pandas is different, which is quite funny to say because it sounds like you've got like a little pet panda. <laughs> yeah. You kind of have. You've got a little pet panda in your brain that causes havoc. Yeah, very annoying. And everyone's panda. panda is different. Yeah. So you had antibiotics and steroids yes. and it kind of dampened things down. Yes. And, and where are you now in that journey? Well, I've got what we call our miracle drug, which is guanifacine. Mm. And that is a, it's actually for ADHD, but it works for Tourette's. And without it, I am a crazy ticking nightmare, like literally. And But with it, I can sit like how I am now and not tick and just be calm and be fine. So your diagnosis is pandas and Tourette's? Pandas, Tourette's, OCD. I'm missing a few here. <laughs> I know I am. Non-epileptic seizures. Yeah. Um, it's so complex, isn't it? There's, there's, there's a few. How do you feel? Oh, having... an EDS. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Okay. There's often the link, isn't there? Yeah. So how do you feel having all the diagnoses? Does that help you or does it feel like a burden? <sighs> I'm very, very split about this. Getting the Tourette's diagnosis was good because mainly because everyone in my school just labelled me as the girl with Tourette's. So then I could say, yeah, I am the girl with Tourette's and that's fine. Like, I'm not bothered. Like, that's fine. And being able to tell people, look, I'm sorry, I've got Tourette's sounded a lot more better than, oh, I've got a tic disorder, mm. in my opinion. Not that there's anything wrong with tic disorders, but to me, I felt like nobody was going to believe me if I said it was a tic disorder. But Tourette's is more well-known, even though it's known for, like, totally not the wrong things. Um, but what was that? We're talking about diagnoses. <laughs> diagnoses. And the, the, whether they're pandas, useful. Pandas I quite often say that getting my pandas diagnosis was the worst day of my life, mainly because it made it real. And it made me realise that this is going to be a tough journey and this is going to be like, I'm going to have to fight for my life, basically. I mean, because I've nearly lost my life to pandas a few times because of like how bad the seizures have gotten, because like my lungs would like contract when I was seizing, it would make my oxygen drop. Oh my goodness. I mean, my blood pressure and that's dropped, my heart rate's dropped. I mean, there was a time where I was in hospital and my heart rate was 30. And they had me like, they, they were like, how is she? What is going on? 
That's super, super low, isn't that it? That was because of a medication that they gave me. We didn't know that you couldn't cut it in half. And the, we did cut it in half. And I took it and obviously it all came apart and I like really messed up my heart and that. So getting the pandas diagnosis was a low moment. Yeah, but at the same time, it was a high moment because I knew what it was and I could find people who had been through it as well. But then also it was like, I don't want to be doing this. I just want it to go away. This makes it real. So it's definitely a very split thing in my mind of like how I feel. So now you're on guanfacine. Did I say that right? (laughs) And that's really helping you. Are you back at school full time? I mean, what's that been like? Actually, school wise, I'm doing really well. Not to toot my own horn, but I am getting in quite a lot. Amazing. Um, And what's quite a lot for you? I go in second lesson or second period, whatever you want to call it. And I finish fifth or sixth period. So that's about five or six hours a day which for me is a lot. It's huge. And next year, I'm going into year 10, and I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to try and do a full day from, like, the second school starts and the second school ends, I will be there. And what holds you back from going to school? Is it exhaustion? Definitely the fatigue. The fatigue. Oh, that's another diagnosis. I've got chronic fatigue. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure I've got a diagnosis. I don't know. Yeah. At this point, it's all, like, jumbled in my brain, and it's like, I don't know which one is which. Well, it's a lot to handle, and you're sat here with a beautiful big smile <laughs> talking about it so bravely. Yeah. I wonder what gets you through. Definitely my people. I've got a really good surrounding of people. And sometimes I think people forget that it's okay to step away from everybody and have your own alone time. Like blast some music in your ears and just like you it's okay to be upset about it sometimes. Like it's not fair and it's crap and it's rubbish and it's everything you could ever like any word you could put there it is and it's okay to be like sad about it it's okay to be like this isn't fair but at the end of the day you just got to keep going have you ever felt that you know you had 12 years of wellness does that kind of sort of fill up the batteries so it makes you realize actually you know I know what being well was like or is it worse that you can remember what wellness was like yeah well actually I was saying this, you know, like sometimes I forget what being well was like. I mean, it's been two years and it's like I can't remember what it's like to not have to worry about anything. And two years when you're 14 is a seventh of your life. It it's is, a long time. It's a long time. It's a really long time. And it feels like it's like, when is this ever going to end? Like, oh, my God. And do you have hope that it will end? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think... I like to see IVIG as my light at the end of the tunnel. I have a lot of hope rising on IVIG. Um, yeah. And so the next thing for you will be, you've got the summer holidays coming up and then hopefully year 10, full-time school. Full-time. And then IVIG is a distant thing or a close thing? IVIG is hopefully in the next six months kind of thing. Wow. But depends because we've got a lot of arguments to fight. A lot of fights to fight. I don't know what the saying is. Um, and it's going to take a lot of effort, but hopefully, fingers crossed. And you've been told that that might completely reset your immune system. I've been told that it could put me in remission. Amazing. Which would be amazing after two years. Yeah. And what does that feel like to kind of think about that? 
I don't care if I'm left with Tourette's, as long as I can get rid of the seizures and the chronic fatigue and that type of stuff. And I can be off most of my meds so I can live a normal teenage life. That is all I want. I don't care about the Tourette's. I'll keep them if I have to. I mean, I'd prefer to get rid of them, but if it's the price I've got to pay, then it's fine. But the seizures and that, I'd love to get rid of. So is it that, I mean, the seizures and the chronic fatigue, are they linked? Yeah, yeah. If my chronic fatigue gets really bad, then my seizures get worse. And all these diagnoses, perhaps apart from Tourette's, like you've said, I mean, chronic fatigue, people don't understand what fatigue means, do they? People don't understand. They're like, just have a nap. (laughs) Just have a nap. You know what? Have some sugar. That'll get you. I'll get your system. Do you off. get lots of advice like that from mm-hmm. people telling you you tried aromatherapy? Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially when it first started. I mean, bless her, my grandma. She's she's so sweet. She's the best grandma I could ever ask for. And I know she'll be listening to this, and right now her heart will be going, oh. But she she always looks in the paper, and she always she thinks I'm pretty sure she thinks the iPad's a magical device. And <laughs> she would come up with these things, and she was like, she'd come up to my house, and she's like. Oh, this is meant to work. This is meant to help. So I've done loads of random things, like drinking vulvic water. That was meant to really boost your immune system. I drank vulvic water for a good 18 months. Like, I drank it for a long time. It's all I drank. And she was like, I see you drinking the vulvic water. Well done. Was, oh, she's so sweet, bless her. Has it affected? Because I think one of the things that people um, don't perhaps understand about pandas is how it affects the whole family. Yeah. Definitely. How have you found that? My grandma and granddad, they very much stepped up for everything we needed. Um, I'm so grateful for them because obviously, honestly, like we couldn't have survived without them. And so did my brother and my sister. I think. How old are they? Talk me through what my your family's brother's, like. My brother's 25. Yeah. And my sister's 21 turning 22. Right. So they've got a bit of distance from you too. Yes. Able to care yeah. for you. So I go to my sister's quite a lot and I see my brother quite a lot because he only lives around the corner. So he'll just kind of show up at the house and I'm mm. like, oh, hi. Nice to see you. Um, but I'm very, especially very close with my sister. Mm. Um, and God, she's been through a lot because my tics and my everything really used to set off really badly around her. Like she'd get braid, like mm. she'd get full on beaten up. And it was like, she went through a lot. I mean, she had medical problems herself when she was my age. And she still stuck by me. She wasn't like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not coming over just to get buried. She still came over. She still saw me. She still cared for me. And she still, like, did everything she could to understand. I mean, she's the best sister I could ask for, really. I mean, we argue all the time, but it's what sisters do, isn't it? I think when you know um, you're out of of school a bit and you're having these extraordinary experiences, family can become yeah. so close. And I've seen you with with your mum, who we've also got on the podcast. And there is it, it, sometimes when you met you know your mum and you've seen you for half an hour, but it does sometimes seem that you are almost like friends as opposed to mother daughter. There's, yeah, a, there's banter, isn't there? We've got we've got a good crack. I mean, my mum makes that's what she said jokes, and I'm like, mum. You're a little bit too old for that. <laughs> no offence, but you're a little bit too old. And, like, she'll hear me and my sister saying things from, like, YouTube or TikTok or something, and she starts picking them up, and I'm like, what? That's so weird. But it's like it's like Dom, Dure- Dom Toretto says, how can you not talk about family when family's all that you've got? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's so true. 
I mean, and a lot of my friends are class as family as well. I mean, I've got one best friend who stuck by me through everything. And it's just like, wow, like you are, at the end of the day, we are both kids and she's gone through everything. And like being there for me, supported me, literally held me while I seized in her arms, like ran around the school, like trying to find me and make sure I'm okay. And she's, she's the best. She's obviously an exceptional person. She's an exceptional person. But there's obviously something in you that inspires that kind of love because Hopefully. a lot of a lot of children um, with such serious diagnoses haven't had that yeah. experience. And it feels like you've chosen your friends, your second family very well. Yeah. So what, what do you think the future's going to hold for you? You've got IVIG. What would you like your life to look like? I need to buckle down in school. I mean... I'm not too far behind, but I do need to definitely catch up on certain aspects, especially science. So I need to put my mind and body into school. Mm. Um, and that's hard, isn't it? Because no, you kind hard. of feel you need to have the fun yeah. stuff. And there is this phrase, isn't there, catch up. But for you, I bet you haven't done this stuff, a lot of this stuff. No, so it's not catching up. It's not catch up. You're doing it again. Learning. Yeah. Um, and, but also, hot girl summer is my plan. Me and my friends plan hot girl summer. What's a hot girl summer? <laughs> You're talking to an old lady here. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Hot girl summer is like you just you dress however you want. You've got no boys to worry about, no girls to worry about. You dress how you want. You dress for your friends. You have fun and you do whatever you like. And that's the plan. And that's the for plan. This summer. That is the plan. Sounds so beautiful. Loads of fun. And what about beyond? What about post IVIG? How would you how would you see your life? And I guess what what one of the things I'd be interested in learning is. How did you, I know you were young and you said you feel like a different person mm -hmm. now. How did you think your life was going to turn out when you were 12 before you got pandas? And how do you think it will turn out now? Is there a difference? Well, I don't know. All I've ever really wanted and what I've always wanted since I was about seven is to have a family, like to have my own family. Mm. I've always been a very like motherly person. Like I love babies. I'm addicted to babies. Like I know that sounds really weird. But, like, hand me a baby and I will be happy. Like, so happy. Like, even if it's crying, I'm happy. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll definitely... And I just want to make people feel loved. So I'd love to have, like, that type of family where, like, my kids' aunts aren't really my brother and sister, but they feel like my brother and sister. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's like, I want to give people that love. You've got a lot of love to give. I've got a lot of love to give. <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm a love person. I love loving people. Mm -hmm. And so you've got the hot girl summer planned. Yes. Year ten. Yes. Next, slightly bigger year. Slightly bigger GCSEs. year. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do my mocks. Right. And how do you feel about that? I think I'll pull it together. Mm. I think I'll manage. I'm not worried. So, what advice would you have to any young people listening who are in the same position as you, trying to juggle a normal life? with school, with becoming weller? It's okay to step back from school if that's what is best for you. I mean, I was pulled from school for about four or five months and you can always catch up. At the end of the day, even if you're in year 11, you're meant to be doing your GCSEs, you can catch up in college, you can catch up, you can just reset the year. Like, it's not the end of the world. Like, And you've got to focus on making yourself better before you can force yourself into anything else. And seriously... Like, you will be okay. Like, 
you'll find people that believe you you'll find medication that works and you will be okay and like yeah you know everything will eventually there is a light at the end of the tunnel even though it's a really long and really dark and twisty tunnel and there'll be loads of things that pop out that you won't expect but like there is light at the end of the tunnel and what you're here obviously talking to me today and you spoke earlier on about how it helped um you know understanding the illness a bit more and people to speak out about things a bit more so is that part of your desire to spread awareness i would love to spread awareness especially when i'm older i mean i will never shut up about what i've been through and some people are like oh that's all you ever talk about it's all you ever talk about I'm like yeah because i want people to know that like they're not alone like if one person i make a lot of tiktoks like spreading my story and if i've had people what's, reach your, out what's your handle so people can find um you? the on the what's the logo called? Uh, underscore, underscore yeah. life underscore of underscore jj so okay. add me up add me up <laughs> Um, and I just want to spread how what happened to me so people know they're not alone. And I have had people like, like their kids' parents message me being like, "Oh, like my daughter watched your TikTok and it just made her feel so much better." Mm. And I was like, "That is all I want. Like that is all I want is for people to know that they're not alone in this illness because I felt alone in this illness and I never want anyone to feel alone like that." And presumably, it's not just about feeling alone. You're going to be helping people get diagnosed. Yes, we have. Oh, you have already? We have, yeah. It's, um, a couple of people in my school like ended up the same as me, which is mad. I think it's something to do with the strep count in my school because there was like a massive strep count in my school and it's made loads of the kids have pandas. Well, loads. I mean, there's like three of us. That's extraordinary. And extraordinary for them all to be yeah. diagnosed as well. But um, Well, they were diagnosed because we sent them straight to our little old friends of the doctors. I'm not going to name drop anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but we sent them straight away and they got straight on medication. And I always think, I'm like, I'm so jealous that you got straight on medication because I would probably be better by now if I was put straight on medication and believed. Where they will probably most likely be in such a better place. Probably the same place I am in a year. Mm. After your IVIG. After my IVIG, but they probably won't need IVIG because mm. they'll just, their immune system will heal itself. I mean, mine was left without anything for such a long time that now it's like really struggling. And, but yeah, I really do hope like for everyone with pandas or anything similar to pandas, pans, anything that you even feel slightly like me, like I really do wish you the best and I hope that you find your light at the end of the tunnel. Well, what an extraordinary chat, and I'm sure you've been told this many times, but you are an extraordinary uh, you. young woman. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming and talking so articulately and from the heart yeah. and so openly. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Anytime. So that was Jess, in case you thought I was exaggerating at the beginning. She's a marvel. After our interview, Jess, her mother Helen, Joe, and I went for a drink. Amid lemonade, Jess had an absence seizure and slumped briefly in her chair. Straight after, she bounced back up, smiled and told her mum she'd have to take her to Primark now. Helen rarely leaves Jess's side and it brought home to me how hard it is to be a teenager with this illness when you're trying to find your own identity and forge a life for yourself. Thanks for listening. Obviously, I'm not a medical expert and every child experiences pans pandas differently, meaning treatment is varied and complex. 
If you think your child may be suffering from Pan's Pandas, please consult a medical professional. And for more information, visit www.panspandasuk.org. If you enjoyed this episode, then you can find more wherever you download your podcasts. And if you really, really enjoyed it, then please give us a follow because the more followers we have, the more of these we can make and the more families we can help. So bye for now. The Pan's Panda Stories are a daydream production presented by Lucy McDonald and produced by Lucy McDonald and Joe Joyner. 